0: nurses, and hypochondriacs, the podcast that brings nurse experts, patients, and hypochondriacs together to discuss hot topics in healthcare. And here is your host, Ercilia Pompilio. Have you ever had intrusive thoughts? Thoughts that didn't seem like they were your own. They seemed very foreign. Well, maybe you have a curse that was put on you, some type of witchcraft or black magic. Or maybe you have an entity attachment, a disincarnated spirit or an alien implant that is making you do things that is just not right. In this episode of Nurses and Hypochondriacs, we're continuing with our halloween trilogy and this is part three and my special guest is andrew porter and he is known as the psychic surgeon he works with a spiritual guide known as chen and he's been working with chen since 2008 to perform psychic surgeries this is a fun episode and you won't want to miss it and you're going to want to listen till the end because i share my own personal ghost story of how I connected with a couple of kids on the other side and how I've been somewhat helping them and they've been leading me on this very interesting journey. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode was brought to you by Rogue Nurse Media and The Well-Written Nurse, empowering nurses and patients to tell their stories. Welcome to Nurses and Hypochondriacs, Andrew Porter, the Psychic Surgeon. Hi, there, so, yeah. <laughs> so happy to have you on. I mean, uh, we were just talking before I started recording on how we've known each other for a very long time. We've never connected face-to-face, um, pseudo-in-person, I guess you can call it. Uh, because we're on the same Facebook sites and we were connected by uh, Dr. Dr. Terry, right? Dr. Palmer, yeah. yeah that Dr. Was
1: Terry Palmer. I thought, I thought it was
0: really,
1: feels like a lifetime ago to me, actually.
0: <laughs> so true, yes, because um, I connected with him in 2016. I found him on YouTube and then I did get a service where you, I think, were just training with him at the time. And um, he was doing some experimental work and um, and then uh, but before that, I had gone to London to meet with him because I I had found him on YouTube. It was like very fascinating. I was studying the paranormal. And like I told you, I had gone to an exorcism with one of my screenwriting teachers and I'd done all this wacky stuff. And and I happened to be going to London and I met him right um, at a train station, which was super fun. Because he was on the way. He's like, I've got to go give a lecture. And he he was like going to Leeds. See, I still remember. So <laughs> I was in, I, I went to this, um, the Museum of London, right in front of the train station. So I was like, he's like, come meet me there. And I was like, okay. So I met with him for like 45 minutes and he gave me his doctoral dissertation, which was super awesome. And it was such a, a great connection. And I just was, I love the book because it has so much research in it, like peer-reviewed research from years and years, way back in the 1800s and stuff, right? So how did you come into doing all this and meeting with Terry?
1: It's a good question, really. So for me, how I kind of of got into this was it kind of got into me, I guess, really. So I, I kind of was going through a bit of a tricky divorce at the time. And then moved house, selling the house as part of the divorce, et cetera. I had two children that were sort of time sharing between myself and my ex-wife at the time. And then I moved into this house and literally like everything went wrong in next to kind of like two weeks or something, basically. So, wow. you know, so I mean, I wasn't spiritual. I'd never been interested in anything spiritual. It was, to me, it was just crazy people that you kind of see walking down the road. You know, the kind of like tree type personalities. So I was in that completely opposite world, worked in a corporate job, corporate life. Everything was non-spiritual, basically. And then the next thing I know, as I'm walking through the front door of the house every night, I start to get goosebumps and started to see shadows moving around the house. And of course, initially, you just just assume that that's not happening. And it's just some figment of the light or reflection or something. And things just got, well, went bad to worse, really. So things started to move around the house, and the lights started to go on, and things started to break down. And then at the kind of, this was over probably about four or five months, I guess. And it got to the point where things were actually kind of getting into bed with me, and the covers were left. (sighs)
0: Yeah.
1: And things were actually touching me where they shouldn't really be touching me. And I literally thought I was going mad, basically. And, of course, all my friends at the time were all, again, corporate world, corporate life. I'm going to work telling these stories of these crazy things that are happening. And of course, they all wanted to come and stay in the house because it was like some sort of freak show that you, know, you see on TV. And of course, the bizarre thing was they'd come on a weekend and stay and we'd get a few beers out and watch telly. And whilst they were there, nothing would happen. Right. And then, of course, as soon as they closed the door and they drove off, guaranteed goosebumps back, everything starts again. So I kind of realised I was being played with, really. <clears throat> and I felt quite targeted, but I didn't really know what I was targeted by and why and, and how to deal with it at all. So I kind of went down quite a dark <clears throat> quite a dark path for quite some times. So I didn't know where to get help, and I was pretty sure if I told the doctor the things I was experiencing, I'd be away in a white coat and a white van for probably the rest <laughs> of my life. <laughs> so I knew that wasn't an option, and the next thing, I kind of assumed that Perhaps I could go to a church and speak to um speak to you know a clergyman, basically, because you know, church is supposed to be spiritual and I assumed that they'd probably be able to help, but I wasn't really convinced of that at all. And then my wife now wife, Jane, at the time we were just starting to sort of see each other and dating. Them, and she said she knew a psychic that came into her hair salon. She worked in a hair salon and she'd have a chat with her. So she spoke to this lady called Christina and she phoned me up and said, you know, I can do an appointment for you. We'll look at the you know, the house and, and you and see what's going on spiritually. And then I'll just clear you. And I was like, oh, cool. So if you can just do that, get rid of all these problems, and I can go back to my normal life, which never happened, obviously. Right. <laughs> so that was kind of the start for me. And then I basically started to read books on spiritualism and spiritual things. And I started to get interested in what was happening to me and why it was happening and spent quite a lot of time in Glastonbury in the UK. <clears throat> Glastonbury's quite a hotbed here, really, of, of right. sorts of people. So it kind of draws in, you know, sort of people into witchcraft, occult practices, and obviously you've got the Glastonbury Tower on the kind of famous ley line. So, so for me, it was like only an hour's drive from where we live. So every weekend, just about, I'd drag Jane down to Glastonbury, and we'd spend time walking around these, you know, crystal shops, healing shops, talking to people, trying to find out why these things were happening to me right. which, you know it was kind of <clears throat> that was my key thing to do was to find out what was going on really and then I realized that effectively I needed to to do something to stop this happening because everyone would clear me and then two or three weeks later everything came back again so I, I kind of realized that I couldn't keep paying people to do the clearings I needed to learn to clear myself yes that was kind of part of that I then basically moved into a crystal healing course and then moved into Reiki. And that kind of thing and then when I got to that stage Christina by now taught me quite a lot of the kind of protection principles in terms of through meditation that kind of thing and I realized that I could do that because I wasn't a great student particularly because I didn't really want to follow other people I wanted to do things myself exactly So I was I was probably quite difficult for many people that I came across because I was kind of quite self-led and quite intuitive in, in the things I wanted to do and people would say, you need to put your hands in these special places and do this type of healing, which I basically didn't do. I just kind of did my own thing because it felt more right for me to do that than to follow some kind of guided principle. <clears throat> so sort of fast forward then, we kind of basically moved into a place whereby I sold that house <laughs> because yeah. I just, yeah. the house had it in for me really. And then I doused it actually. I bought some dazing rods at one point and dazed the house and there was a ley line running through it. So it just like the, the copper rods would open completely and just straight through the middle of the house. And um then I realized, or I you know, I'd read that spirit travel on these lines. And of course, whilst I'm lying in bed, effectively there's this motorway of, of spirit running past all the time. Hence I was psychically open and getting connected to these things and discarnate and kind of spirit and having odd thoughts and you know all that kind of stuff. So I was quite lucky, really, that I kind of managed to hold it together long enough to understand what was happening and then to start following some type of spiritual protection. And then I kind of ended up basically going on different meditation courses and, you know, started working, moved forward from there. On my last Reiki course, I was introduced to Chen, who is my guy now. And the person that ran the course, Anne said this this little chap here, this little Chinese chap, who's calling himself Chen, she he's got like a long beard, etc. And she said, he's saying that he's going to be with you to, to, to do and perform psychic surgery and clearings. And of course, at the time, I'd only just finished Reiki 3, effectively. So I just laughed and thought, you know, whatever, really. So I wasn't really convinced of that conversation. And then when I started to do some of these trance workshops, Chen started to come through. And, you know, over the course of a year, I got to the point that I could like let him in completely. He'd stand up and walk around the room. Using my physical body and talk to people and that kind of stuff in this kind of safe, protected sort of trans medium um, sort of a development group, and then he basically said, "Right, we need to start healing." So I had a shed in the in the in the sort of yard at the time, and then friends and family would come in, and I just basically put my hands on them. Chen would take over. He he'd do what he called psychic surgery, and then we'd look at the results, and things seemed to be quite preferable. And that, so I'd been doing that for probably about a year, I guess. And then I created a website. Like
0: yeah.
1: Do that type of thing. But I didn't really know exactly what I was doing, to be honest, because Chen was just taking over. So I just gave him my time, really, and body. <laughs> so right. he'd just take over and do things. And then we started to have clients come to see us that were hearing voices. And I put my hands on, and Chen quite often would then speak to, to demonic entities that were possessing these people. And he basically asked them initially to leave. And if they wouldn't elect to leave of their own free will, then he'd basically, as he called it, he'd detach and remove them. And then they'd jump up off the couch and they'd say their voices had stopped or the next day yes. they say my voices have stopped. And I thought, oh, it's really cool. I didn't really know what was going on particularly. Mm-hmm. So so I started to sort of track these types of people then. So, you know, this is what happens, isn't yeah, it? They right? just
0: find you. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs>
1: You know, people were starting to come from all over the country to see me. So, I would know, I think, wow, someone's coming for like a four-hour drive just to come and sit in my shed in the yeah. garden. And
0: happened basically- to me. Someone came from Arizona, drove six hours. I do various different techniques, and my story is so similar to yours. Like, I just started to hear things and feel things, and, uh, you know, um, my intuition just guided me to certain people. And, uh, and like I said, within probably the last six months, like it would just freak me out every time I would get a download, or I would have a message for someone and it just, it messed with my energy, you know, because I was just like, it made me anxious. And, and then in, until I got to that person and gave them the message, I call myself like the psychic secretary, you know, <laughs> it, it, it left, you know, then it, it I, I felt like myself again. So I had to really... Go through that, and in just the past six months, I've finally settled it in. Even though I've studied this for a long time, and I, I've done some shamanic healing work with uh, certain friends, you know, and and I do this too through my storytelling classes as well that I teach. Like I had someone drive six hours from Arizona to California to take my very first storytelling class that I had ever taught in person. And I just was so freaked out, you know, and he was a published author. And I was like, why is this guy coming to take my class? Well, it was really profound. He had this incredible pain going on. He had been in the military service, like he was a high ranking officer and had to send in these women. Uh, you know, and, and his higher ranking officer is sending this women into like a war type situation. And his higher ranking officer had told him, don't send the women in. So he went to the women and asked them, well, do you want to go? You know, you are a soldier. And they agreed and they ended up getting killed, you know, so he had this pain body in him for so many years that was haunting him. And and he said that he got this intuition that he needed to take my class so it's like uh, and he had this release you know because that's what we do in the class you know it's a very uh open type of course like you kind of do your own thing and it's all about just releasing the story and and yeah it, it was pretty profound but it's interesting how they find you you know so yeah um let's go ahead so so then you just started to see patients you you channeled chen um and now you wrote a book right yeah and so at that point
1: that's kind of what i met terry basically so i've been doing that work for probably about a year i guess the, you know working on people with intrusive thoughts hearing voices and then i had a, this contact form came through the website one day from this guy called you know dr palmer who said that he was performing research and he wasn't particularly spiritual himself, although he. he you know, he was working with spiritual people and he was trying to find somebody in the UK, basically, that he could work with and then do some of this research on hearing voices. And obviously there wasn't many of us, basically. So <laughs> so we had a call, like a YouTube call, and we kind of hit it off and had quite a good conversation. And I basically offered my time you know, for free and said, "Yep, OK, I'm happy to work with you. And if you just bring me the you know the things that you want to do. I'll do my part of it from a kind of medium perspective psychically. and then he was going to collect the information and obviously deal with the client. So for me it was it was quite good because it was not time consuming because he was going to upfront the time with you know videoing the client talking to them, finding out the problem, and then not tell me anything. and then I would just connect with him to that person's energy, do a clearing and then he'd connect to them a few days later and find if they felt better and obviously do the research you know, from that perspective. So it was, it worked quite well. And then we ended up working together for probably the best part of sort of seven, eight years, I guess, now really, or up until obviously passed him on New Year's Eve.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was that. I mean, I remember seeing his video that he had posted and I just was like, oh my gosh, I I hope he's, he makes it through, you know, I thought he was going to make it through, you know, I kind of felt that. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, he didn't, uh, which, which was sad. I mean, I went ahead on my uh, newsletter. I paid homage to him, and uh, you know, I, I thought he was just such a. I really loved Terry. He was real quirky, you know. I, <laughs> you know, uh, but I, 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 he came at things through a psychological perspective, which I liked, uh, which was through science and psychology. And not so much through spiritualism, although he did have a lot of that research in his book, uh, which was very, very interesting. And like I said, uh, reading his book really helped me understand a lot of things that were going on with me at the time uh, in in coming into my own, I guess you could call it superpowers, because like I said, in uh, about six months ago, I wrote this blog about heroes. Um, And I just intuitively wrote it. The next day I had a patient come in and his name was hero. (laughs) So, um, he's been very fascinating. He does come to me psychically too, you know, um, and I've talked to Paula Fenn, who's been on the show about that. Uh, and, and every time, um, I see him in clinic, he gets a little bit better and better uh, with what's going on with him. I think he suffered a birth trauma. And every time his mom comes in, uh, you know, we, we talk about this and I told her, I go, gosh, he's been such a great, uh, guide for me as well to come into my own hero superpower. Like, this is who you are, you know, so, <laughs> so I even went to, um, one of my friends because a hero didn't know his name, right. You would call him and he would not turn to his name. And so uh, I asked a comic book friend of mine, what does it mean when the hero does not know their name? And they're like, oh, well, the hero doesn't know their name. They know their name when they come into their own superpowers, you know, because their name kind of changes in a way. Uh, For example, one of the there's uh, WandaVision. And I guess when WandaVision starts to remember who she is and comes into her own superpowers, she's now the Scarlet Witch. Uh, so, which is very, very interesting. Um, but yeah, so uh, so tell us more about your book. So was your book channeled through Chen then? And what is your book about? I haven't read it. I do want to um, buy it
1: yeah i can send you a copy for free That's fine oh I mean, awesome yeah, i mean basically it was channeled so i, I got to the point that because i've been through such a struggle really to try and find what well, what i wanted was just a like a book for dummies really so just spiritualism for dummies so someone that's not spiritual that yes. gets turned on like clearly you and i saying like we both did but i wanted a book like just start reading and within like two hours kind of selfishly i guess get the answers to all of the questions that i i kind of had Because I would speak to different spiritual people and I get different answers, and I read big, thick books, and each book seemed to contradict itself in different ways. And and then I had questions about the alien ET aspect and that type of thing. So I I was quite frustrated trying to find just some very clear starting point information that someone knew could could get, basically. So um, I was talking to Chen one day, we were actually on holiday abroad. And he said, well, just start asking me questions. And if you write the answers down, you can you can write a book in sort of best part of a week. So that's what I did every day. Jane and I were on a then. I'd just sit at the end of a sunbed, basically. And I'd just connect to him and just say, right, what are we going to talk about? So he'd say, Love it. you know, titles channel him. So we just, I'd just write like, you know, 10 minutes flat out, everything kind of spelt wrong, just as fast as I could write. As I heard him, I'd just write all this stuff out and then we'd finish. And you say, okay, extraterrestrials, aliens. So we will then write a section on that. So in the course of doing that for a few hours on this holiday, I'd basically written this book effectively. And then of course when I came home, I couldn't read half of it because I've <laughs> written it so quickly and the spelling and grammar was so bad. I needed to obviously process it properly and write it up into sort of you know a, a proper document. And and then Chen said, right, you know, there you go. If you would now add your personal part of it to the start, effectively you've got that book that you yourself wanted when you came into this this type of experience so um so it sat around for ages before I did much with it and then eventually I obviously basically self-published it and created a cover and that kind of thing and now when I do appointments with people I send them a you know a copy of the book so that in my world anyone that was in the position that I was in that just wants that two-hour read to get their head around what's going on which there's a lot of people that do
0: there's a yeah. lot of people now. Yeah. I, I, yeah, we could talk a little bit about that and what's going on, but um, mm, I sure. think it's great, but that's how, did you know that the majority of authors, that's how they write their books are channeled. Oh, so I, I, um, I have a friend, I had a friend uh, when I got into writing and I connected with him one day. I, I, I took a class from one of his authors, and he was at this book event, and we all went to go have drinks after. And I immediately latched onto him. I was like, "You're my new best friend," you know. And we became fast friends. And uh, so he was an editor of this uh, small publishing house, and he would have to go to set up these book readings at bookstores. And a lot of times he needed an audience, so he would always call me and a few of other of, um, our friends and we'd be the audience. And so I would ask these, I would take the opportunity to ask these authors, like, where do you get your stories from? And they would say they channeled them 90%, 90% were channeled, you know, and, um, I've gotten stories channeled and I, I had to stop writing them because some of them were fiction and all of a sudden they would start playing out in my reality, you know? And huh. so, and that was very, very interesting. So I, I try to not write fiction, but there are now that I do understand some of those stories, I have to go back to them, uh, and I can kind of rewrite them uh, and stuff. But it's exactly the way that you are saying it, where they get this boom channel. I mean, I just had Chris Sinatra on, and we were talking about time travel, and he gets the downloads, you know, of books as well. And, um, and for me personally, now I have like people from the other side who are lined up with their projects. And I'm just like, I have my own project. <laughs> I mean, they kind of go inside, but it's very interesting, you know, and they like. A family member will come to me and be like, this is what I want to do. And I was like, okay. And then so I'll start channeling that person. And so a lot of these artists are artists. Um, some One of them is a songwriter and one of them is a, an artist. And what's happened is they're not remembered. They've not become immortal. You know, like Jean-Michel Basquit, he's immortal, right? So, or Pablo Picasso is immortal, right? He, they're very remembered. So these... Artists, even though they were quite pop, they were famous, they did well, they're not immortal. Like nobody remembers them in a film or their legacy is still not going on. Do you see what I'm saying? Which I, I find very, very interesting, you know? And, and so, um, yeah, but so <laughs> just, mm-hmm. you are right on target. That is how most authors do their writing most musicians will channel as well um and painters too like yeah. I, I ask a lot of painters like where'd you get that idea I don't know I just they just channeled it came to them so
1: yeah I, th- I think it's so interesting because what you were saying that I find interesting then so when you start to write a fictional story you almost, I was thinking to myself you're almost manifesting yes that story in your real life effectively rather than it being a fictional life because I guess you're so focused on it. You're drawing those experiences in,
0: aren't you? That I think so, yes. Characters have, I guess. Yeah, pretty cool. much, pretty much. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit about ETs and alien implants and uh, such. Um, because I was trying to get a UFOlogist on the show, a, a content. A, they're, they're difficult to come on. Um, and I think it's because they think I'm going to make fun of them. So, uh, that, that I don't take them seriously, um, uh, because it, it is a very touchy subject, especially for people who have had um experiences where they've been abducted. Have you had any abductees contact you?
1: Yeah, I've worked with quite a lot of people actually that, that have, have you know have had that experience, and again, you know, they kind of suffer in the same way that I did when I was having you know, things getting into bed with me and the bed was moving at night and this kind of stuff. Things that you see in films that you just assume isn't real. I was right. kind of yeah. having that in reality. And then when you start to tell people, everyone thinks you're completely crazy, obviously. But the, the bigger problem is there's no help because no one advertises services to those sorts of clients or people, really, which is why I kind of ended up doing what I'm doing now. So right. I've got a lot of people, you know, some of the stories people message me with, you know, I'm, I've seen a lot of things obviously and read a lot of things from you know the weird to the wonderful type thing but the the kind of et and the ufo thing is the interesting thing because they all they all seem to have the same summary of the story which is what makes it interesting from my perspective so some people that are schizophrenic and what have done a lot of drugs heroin hard drugs some of the things they you know they talk to me about or write to me about you know are kind of very weird and wonderful generally but people that have had um, abduction type experiences and and claim to have implants in their body, that kind of thing. The stories are always very similar. And, of course, because they're not known to each other, from my perspective, as the kind of receiver of that information, it gives it more validity, really, that people all across the world, in every country, just about, you know, is having or are having some type of similar experience that they can't really understand. And then, of course, when it kind of channels into people like myself, you know, it becomes like a day-to-day conversation that is just normal, even though you know, it's not seemed to be normal by the kind of wider public, really.
0: I agree. I I mean, if you have a large scale of people talking about the same story, there's something going on, you know, and the general public just kind of sees them as woo-woo. And I think it's because how can that be possible? You know, and I, I feel that The abductions maybe just don't happen as they take the body out. Although there, I've heard some stories like that. I feel that it's more of a mind thing, you know, to where, um, like, like I read, and I've talked about this book before. I read this book called Galileo's dream and it's a huge book, like five, 600 pages. And in it, Galileo goes to another planet, you know, but he's doing it through his mind and he's having these seizures And then he's gone for quite a while, but in real time, he's only gone for like 15 minutes or an hour or overnight or whatever it is. So I believe that it happens that way somehow. And I I don't know. Um, That's just my theory of what actually happened. So what have you found? Like, how do you think that the abductions actually happen?
1: Yes, yeah, so I've had similar experiences myself, obviously, because of what I do. I'm engaging with quite negative entities. Yeah, me
0: too, yeah. That kind of
1: thing. So, you know, quite often at three in the morning I wake up and the room's cold and, you know, I'm having like some horrific dream generally that I kind of come to and, and then psychically I can feel there's something in the room and, you know, I used to – scream help basically in the old days yeah. now i just speak to Channa, saying you know can you remove whatever's here because i need to get some sleep i'll turn over and go back to sleep again so for me this crazy world's been so normalized that i just experience it in a normal way but i used to have um things or experiences where i would wake up and i'd be kind of in some sort of sleep paralysis so i could i knew my body was there but i wasn't connected to my body and i kind of knew that and I would be having like a telepathic conversation with some other entity, or in some type of duel, quite often with some other entity. So some type of battle, basically, and I'd be screaming to try and get back into my body, in my mind, and you know, I, I, I knew I was lying in bed, but I couldn't get in, and I felt I was, I'd been pushed out of my physicality, if you like. And then one day I woke up and had like a big lump on my back, and there's, it's still here actually, I, but it's it looks like a chip, the sort of thing. Wow. That, Dogs basically like a sort of cylinder, like a round cylinder, about kind of I suppose it's like probably a half an inch long and it, it itches quite often. Oh, wow. But I've, I've noticed it itches when I, you know I'm active, sort of psychically and spiritually. So I talked to Chen about it after I had it. I woke up one day and said, Jen, God, I've got this really like itchy lump on my back. And she looked at it and laughed and she said, You've probably been <laughs> So we, we laughed about it for days, and it didn't go down. And I said, well, there's something wrong. You know, it's some sort of lump. I probably need to get it seen, basically. And then she put her fingers on it, and you could feel it like moving around, and then it seemed to go deeper into the skin. And now there's just like the, like a tiny little lump, effectively. But most of the time, it's I don't actually know it's there. And then occasionally, when I'm doing certain things, I can feel it itching, so I kind of know that it is active in some way. But again, I don't really talk about it too much i spoke to jen about it and said you know can you guys take it out and he just laughed and said they'll just put another one in right right it. i think i, thought, you,
0: I, I think that the ticket is to deactivate it you know and um and i don't know that just came to me right now so of course it's in the very
1: place that you thought the one place on your body you can't get to right. is on the it's behind my shoulder so i can't either right. I can't get to it basically so it's quite cleverly placed there and you know, like I say, he's uh, which you know Chen's opinion is it, it's benign in that it's more of a monitoring type device as opposed to to anything else really. So I haven't I mean it's been in life probably for fifteen years. Something. Oh wow,
0: yeah. So um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, psychic attacks, witchcraft, voodoo, uh, and and things attacking our etheric field because what I have found in my. Uh, you know, studying and um, working with people is that something is very profound, like just implantations of words. For example, like men that I have dated, I'll give you this example. And they were with a woman who was probably didn't have the best intentions with them. Uh, Either they were married or not. And they've gotten away from these women, but psychically, these women are way deep down in their subconscious and they have a pull. Like, it seems like these men, once they're away, they're happy, but then another woman comes in the picture, they start acting very, very strange, you know? uh, And, and one of the guys that I was dating who was a, He did help me a lot with uh, this awakening and stuff. I had gotten more telepathic uh, and I started to really amp up my learning of what was going on with me because the energy that I had with him was so profound and I could feel this other woman's energy and something going on and I would get these downloads intensely um, and um, so what was happening was he was very disconnected from his higher self. So I was getting conne- uh communications from his son, who was very psychic, his higher self, and I knew something was going on with this other woman, and I, I had given it to him in a series of letters, you know that of downloads, and I'm like, here these are for you, you know <laughs> so, <laughs> and I go, they're not really from me, you know, and there there is something going on. And he confirmed a lot of what was in those letters, which was pretty wild. Uh, Although he couldn't, he could not see like either this connection or witchcraft that this woman was doing. He's like, how could she and how, and why would she? And I was like, I don't know. It's just a download. So, (laughs) and it is affecting me. So this is no longer uh, good for me, you know, energetically. So Let's talk a little bit about how that works, you know, even with somebody you've been connected to.
1: Yeah, I think it's a great question, actually. So, we, you know, i obviously dealing with this on a daily basis, effectively. So yeah. for me, it's kind of like there's two different kind of roads with this. One is what I would term as the calling aspect. So when you've had a relationship with someone, especially a sexual relationship that's very emotional you're very connected, you've spent time together, that kind of thing. Obviously, between the pair of you, you have a, an energetic connection that you know we of call, call a cord, effectively, or the way that we term it spiritually is you're corded together. And via that cord, obviously, energy flows, effectively. So if if you've been with someone for quite a long time and, and your relationship's very connected and quite deep, if one of you is feeling upset, generally that energy will transfer to the other one and you get this transference-type thing happening. And the same with thought patterns. So if you start to think something... The other person can think the same thing or know what you're thinking. So you kind of get very connected. And then, of course, when that relationship ends, you know, that call isn't broken. So you both go on to meet new partners, have new lives and do different things. But effectively, you've still got this energy transfer in between the pair of you. And generally, of course, you know, if the relationship ends you know, poorly, there's quite a lot of anger and negativity. And therefore, those thoughts obviously get transferred between each person and then, of course, if you come into a relationship with that person, so if if you're you know if if you're a woman that, that comes into a relationship with a guy and he's got a negative relationship with his ex-partner or ex-wife or something, she's then thinking negative things of you or you've taken Yes. Nice. then of course that transfers to you. So now you start to to be attacked, basically, but through thought really, as opposed to proper witchcraft. So that's the kind of the cording aspect of it. and we basically clear and remove those cords from people. so you can kind of remove that those old connections that've been in in your etheric field for most of your life generally. And then of course, the other aspect is is proper occult practice. So witchcraft you do black magic, that kind of thing. So that's that's when people are kind of all you know know how to use energy in an occult manner and do some type of ritual basically to either send negativity to your etheric field in which case it can make you ill or you start to feel ill or just have old thoughts. Or if they're they're kind of like a practice, a cult practitioner or practitioner of magic, a lot of those have entities in spirit that they actually work with and they actually send to you. So effectively, you know, an entity arrives in your bedroom at three in the morning and starts to put bad thoughts in your mind or give you bad dreams or starts to ask, you know, put thoughts in your mind about, you know, doing bad things to yourself, you know, just intrusive thoughts, that kind of thing. And, of course, the more energy that practitioner puts into that connection, that you know, these entities are coming to you all the time, every day, every night, and your car breaks down and your white goods fail and things go wrong in the house and you start to feel like you've been attacked with some type of, you know, cult practice like witchcraft or black magic or something. And then, of course, as soon as you know that's happening – You know, most people feel frightened and fearful, so their vibration drops. And then, of course, they attract more negativity. So the whole thing starts to snowball escalate in a kind of negative way. And, you know, we find, well, obviously, again, we're dealing with that every day. But in certain cultures around the world, the whole cursing thing is very big, which is odd. And the other thing I've found, to be honest, is it's normally families that, that do it to each other. Yes. You, know, you kind of assume that it would be people you don't know or, you know, people that you you work with or something that go and pay, you know, an occult practitioner to send you some type of negativity or bad luck. But generally, it's it's families that are doing it to each other through jealousy, generally, especially, you know. It's,
0: it's so true. Uh, Another thing. So this is something that was happening to me for about a year. Like I would uh, drive to my home and, um, and every time, I I mean, I knew I had to sell this place. Um, The inside of the home is very warm and people who come in, I'll say that they're like, we really like it here. You shouldn't sell. It's so great. And, and I'm just like, well, <laughs> you know, I do a lot of clearings and, and stuff, especially when, before people come and when people leave and, and I'm always, you know, really working on the energy of the indoor of my home, but there, uh, so for about a year, I was feeling very weird. Like I, um, was in a bad marriage and I didn't understand why, cause I'm single And I would come home and I wouldn't want to come home and be home because I felt like I was in a bad marriage. You know how when people are in a bad marriage and, you know, and I was like, is this just kind of a a, a regressed memory from when I was married? And I was like, no, I I would still go. I never felt this way when I was married. Like I would never want to go somewhere else. You know, I would go home and try to resolve the issues that were going on, you know. Um, So I was like, this was very foreign to me. And so I would just try to, I go, maybe it's just because I'm unhappy where I'm at and I need to make a shift and I'm having problems making that shift. So I would just spend time like exercising, not coming home until, you know, later in the evening. And, uh, and it wasn't until I really started to look at what was going on. Well, it's the people next door. There's something going on with the neighbor's uh, property. I think it it lands on a ley line. And it affects me, but it's everybody who's moved in next door has had a very caustic relationship. Like there's a lot of drama that happens, you know, there's a lot of slamming doors, a lot of screaming, a lot of children crying. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I was living in their reality, you know, which was really creepy to me. And it's until I found what was going on and I just snapped out of it, you know, and, and my home is on the market now, but it's, uh, fallen out, uh, like the, the first buyers pulled out and it was because of it, like a water issue, um, which has been resolved, but now it's, it's still on the market and stuff, but I'm like wondering if it is a ley line or something, or like if, people are having issues like this. What can they do? I mean, the first thing that I know is once you come into awareness, it just breaks it, you know? Uh, but then I, I did some research on the people who live next door and I found an inversion of a photograph on a Facebook site and the woman who lives there has like 30 names, which was very bizarre. And so that is, and, and from my research, cause I used to do a lot of, um, uh, uh, his uh, research into demonic possession, uh, you know, reading what Catholic priests were doing, which I, I found very interesting. And it was part of a book that I was writing, a fiction book about a teenage drummer who was coming into these powers and and speaking to people on the other side. And he was just like, you know, is it is very much my story trying to like, what is going on in my life, you know, And I wrote this book, in 2013. And it's a, a a young, a a YA book, young adult book. But, uh, you know, I was just very fascinated and it creeped me out because this woman, when she sees me, she calls me a witch. She, (laughs) right. She calls me a witch. She calls, she tries to rebuke me. Uh, she calls me Lucifer. Um, and all I want is peace and quiet. And that's all I've complained about. So, which is very interesting. They're always coming on to my side. It's a boundary issue, right? But I found it very fat. Anytime I see an inversion, I always, I was like, oh, we know what's going on there. So can you talk a little, I I heard you on another podcast talking about inversions. I had a discussion with an actual witch who was on this show about inversions and he was, um, he didn't agree with me. You know, he's like, oh, is that what you think? you Catholics, you know, yeah. <laughs> but I, he practices very, uh, you know, he doesn't agree with a lot of my practices, you know, and cause he's one of those people that's very, this is how you do it. And I'm like, no, you can develop your own, you know, and, and I don't do well with people who, just um are kind of like in a cult and just focus on one thing i i, I you know i there's so many different tools that you can use just like in medicine you know there's not one avenue there's so many but what what can you um speak to that like of these demonic possessions
1: yeah i think it's really interesting what you just said i mean my my opinions on things are very like yours i think really for me everything is is energy and vibration basically yes. you know your intention is is key. So if you know if things are going sort of badly wrong in your life <clears throat> and you're not creating them, then you're obviously living in a in a vibration that's negative and it's negatively affecting you effectively. So it's just how you change that vibration. And the same with, with you know people like that. Again, I've I do quite a lot of clearings for a lot of witch, people that do witchcraft. <clears throat> I also do quite a lot of clearings for people that that do demonic work as well, that are you know working with demonology and that type of thing because they get themselves into situations that they can't get out of basically. Yeah you know by agreeing to things that they probably shouldn't really agree with and then x years down the line they end up normally pretty ill with a you know with quite a negative life and then they they start to want to kind of rescind a lot of the agreements that they've made with sort of demonic entities which means they need to find someone that can talk to and can connect with those demonic entities to to obviously rescind those contracts and things which generally sort of ends up at our door which i quite find quite funny because effectively They've been following the other path, you know, the opposite to the one that we're
0: on. But they're unconscious of it because I'm working with someone right now. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm being very gentle with him. So it's been a series of several years that we've been working on it. And he first, again, started taking my storytelling class. And then I did a past life regression on him. And then I did another spirit release. And he just, um, I mean, he's in a, he he's just doing a lot of really bad things that are really not good for his life or his profession. Right. And it keeps getting worse and worse and worse, you know, and he's, he's going to self-destruct. So I was talking to this entity who would not leave. First of all, I was talking through another, like his, um, five-year-old self who was speaking to the entity and he was like, he doesn't want to talk to you. He can't talk to you. He's too busy right now. And, and I go, well, what does he want? What is he doing? He goes, he wants to kill me. And it, so, which is the self-destructive, pattern, but we went into the sewer, like the kid, this little child took me, I kept going deeper and deeper into hypnosis. And I was like, where are we? And he's like, we're in the sewer. I was in the sewer of his mind. It was wild, you know? But the funny thing is when this person who is my, a friend of mine came to, he, he was just like, no idea of, of what he was doing you know, of his self-destructive behavior. It was so unconscious. I just was floored because I've seen this time and time again with um, like alcoholics. They don't realize how much they're drinking. It's such an unconscious, you know, uh, pattern. And, and and this is one of my things that I really love to see in people, how unconscious they are, you know, uh, with either the things that they say or, um, issues that they have. Like this week, I even had a recruiter who kept calling me at 6am and, and I kept telling her it's 6am here in California. Can you please be conscious? She didn't care. She kept doing it. And so I, I called her just to see, you know, I was like, why do you keep calling me at 6am? She's like, Oh, I had to go clear across town and get a, an allergy shot. That's why I have to call you so early. does this make any sense. Do you see how unconscious it, it was just like, what, what is going to- <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it's, again? It's
1: like boundaries, isn't it? It's, you know, where you put that boundary basically and yeah. making sure that people get pushed back past that boundary point for you, because we've all got our own opinions and choices and, you know, the boundary is clear. But I think coming back to what you were just saying, I think a lot of people have, I think, low level, like possession, basically. Yes.
0: Yes. That was my friend in the sewer. There is a possession there. And so we're tag teaming it uh, with another person who sees this person all the time and is with this person and knows what is going on, though he doesn't know that he has communication with me. So it's almost like working with Chen, but with another person. So we're like slowly bringing him out of it, you know, and so I it, probably another session or two and it will just like boom, you know, um, but it, but it's just it It is definitely a form of possession. And I, What it also happens with me, and I don't know if it happens with you, I tend to get all of a sudden get articles and it pertains to what I'm doing, <laughs> <laughs> which is so wild because the other person told me, oh, you know, such and such happened. And it was pretty intense. In you know, he's like, I couldn't believe this was happening today. I go, oh, well, I got this article. And it's because, and it was due to a child trauma. I got this article laid it out and it was about uh, serial killers and how their mothers have, they will recreate the trauma that their mothers had done to them, you know, which is pretty crazy. So it's, it's almost a possession of the mother, you know, or that, that whole uh, thought form or reality that is now living in their subconscious somehow. So it's all very interesting
1: replay behavior or learned yes behavior, whereby if you grow up in some crazy family or crazy situation to you it's just a normal thing that you do and then of course if you extrapolate that into the wider world you know the things that these people say and do aren't normal for the rest of us because we haven't had that experience right and quite often you know i find working with some people you know they've got large numbers of, of um generally like discarnate kind of spirit attached so if they live around hospitals and spent a lot of time in hospitals or graveyards and things there's quite a lot of attachments and of course those attachments over time start to come through and and put thoughts in in that person's mind and some of them start to take over slightly or if that person's doing substance or alcohol and they're you know they're kind of not completely in control the discounted kind spirits of have an opportunity then to kind of almost take over basically yes and then of course the person wakes up and can't remember the bender that they were on the yes that- Dead and did you know, and quite often it involves like sex and violence generally, too. yes,
0: yes. And this is the situation, uh, that I'm dealing with with my friend. It's it, it's just really not good stuff. Like I said, we're in the sewer, which so <laughs> I think is very interesting, but it's slowly resolving itself. You know, I, I do feel a positive resolution uh with it and he's been to psychiatrists he's been to it just it's it amazes me you know i was like you should just pay me you know so <laughs> i'm doing it more as a friend and i'm learning you know and and then we do have barter systems uh within our friendship of of stuff but yeah like you were saying i i did, did i did do a spirit release on um one of my secretaries who uh had the spirit of her deceased cousin from when she was 21 and her cousin had gotten her a job at this school and her cousin, um, was very well known at this one school, but my secretary ended up leaving because she wanted to pursue a different path in healthcare. And so she felt such guilt for the longest time. And she kept talking about it and she kept having these dreams over and over again. And so then she started to speak to me and I go, well, and I just released her. She was ready, you know, and that was a very easy, quick release, you know, and um, and I did one of the things that she was mourning was that she never got to say goodbye to her cousin. And and so my secretary is psychic as well. You know, she gets a lot of dreams and she's going through this awakening. and It's really freaking her out and helps talking to me, you know, <laughs> and then you're going to die when I tell you this. I just found out one of the doctors that I work with, he's also a shaman. He's 79. He's from Bolivia. And he just wrote a book in Quechua about Iowa, the true way uh, a Quechua Indian from Bolivia does ayahuasca, which was amazing because he always has a lot of very interesting books in the office. And he's like, yes, I leave them here for you guys to pick them up, you know, so <laughs> And he had left his book for the secretary and he goes, did you see my book? Did you pick it up? And she's like, well, I looked at it. I didn't want to touch it. You know, (laughs) he was like, I left it there for you. (laughs) Isn't that pretty amazing? You know, so and we we sat there. We had this whole discussion. Another thing that was going on with her, which was very interesting, she's living another parallel life. She's like, she keeps having these dreams, but she keeps manifesting these symptoms now, right? She had um, had this uh, situation where she had a dream of a miscarriage and there was a lot of blood. And so uh, we were just kind of talking about what was going on. And all of a sudden in about a, a week or so, she developed a breast abscess which was very, very interesting. And that's what happens sometimes when you uh, do have a mid, uh, miscarriage, uh, you can start lactating and develop mastitis. And that's what she had, which was wild. So I was just helping her bring those two realities together and get more grounded, you know? And so I gave her some techniques too, which are very easy. It's like, walk around barefoot, eat more like grounding foods, like uh, root type vegetables, you know, and, and stuff. And, uh, and, and do more meditations, uh, just internal stuff. And she had told me, she goes, I don't know who I am anymore. I go, <laughs> you know, I go, well, it, you know, you just enjoy the process of figuring out, you know, they call it the dark night of the soul. Uh, existential crisis, you know, I go, just enjoy figuring out who this new persona is that's coming out of you and, and be very grounded in, in as conscious as possible. And I go, and you have me as a resource, you know, and you also have the doctor. He's a little bit way out there. (laughs) he's living in a way other reality. Um, so he's hard to understand sometimes when he gets into these tangents and talking about stuff, I go, I'm more, much more grounded. And I will, you know, say yay or nay or whatever. And if you need to see a psychologist and you need to see a, a psychologist and stuff, but I go, you are perfectly fine. Her daughter is very, very psychic as well. And, um, and one day I bought her, uh, this is a funny story. I bought her a happy meal She asked for it, you know, and um, I love the way she asked for it. And I felt very connected to her. So I was like, I'm just going to go buy it for her. Well, I went to a cafe and all of a sudden this woman goes, would you like this quiche? And I was just like, no, no, no. At first I said no, but something told me, no, you need to accept the quiche, you know, because I had already eaten. So I accepted it and I go, oh my gosh. So I, I called my secretary right away. I go, I just got a pay it forward from your daughter psychically. I go, this is a trip, you know? And so, um, and then she had told me other things that she had done where it was very similar, where she had gotten things for free, you know, <laughs> which is whenever her, she was with her daughter and it's kind of like very magical and, and very like sweet and stuff, but yeah. So have you, um, worked with any psychic kids? Have they come to you, uh, the, um, the pediatric, uh, hypnotherapist I had on Dr ambar he told me like these kids just find him you know either their parents will bring them uh in i mean my patients ask for me and they they'll come in or sometimes if i'm no longer at a certain clinic all of a sudden i start getting phone calls oh my gosh i just found i'm so glad i found you i mean i mean pretty easy to find i think you know but um it's it's interesting
1: Yeah, I think for me, mostly it's parents really that find me. So their children are going through generally some type of difficult, you know, psychic slash spiritual experience, normally bad dreams, seeing things in the house, that kind of thing. And of course, the parents aren't able to associate with the conversation at all. And then eventually, you know, they obviously talk to people or find me on the internet. You know, when you're looking, you find, don't you, effectively. So, you know, quite often we get these kind of appointments, but for young children, and I just connect to them. You can see that quite a lot of them aren't in body, really. So it's almost like they right had right, right experience and they're they're not physically, you know, the spirit isn't co-located back into the physicality properly. So they're kind of you know walking in both worlds, as you just said, really.
0: Yes, and that's that's my my hero patient. He um and he's slow, oh, I'm getting goosebumps as I'm talking about it. He slowly I could see every time I see him, he comes back into his body, you know, uh, which is very, very interesting. Yeah. And it's a lot of the ADHD kids as well that are not living in their bodies too.
1: Yeah. I think, yeah. So, you know, I think once we've like cleared them, or, well, you know, sort of the out-of-body experience out and then cleared the house. So there's no spirit roaming around the houses. They obviously stop seeing things and then, you know, when they get to sleep, they feel more calm and grounded and, and don't wake up in the middle of the night screaming and things. So we, we see a lot of you know people like that because the parents are normally sort of besides themselves with with stress and, and worry because you know their children are exhibiting some sort of experience that they're not able to associate with and they see it generally to be you know a, a worrying thing because everyone is these days you know is worried that children end up on you know sort of psychotic medication or get sexual right. so you know as a parent when your child starts to talk about these things that they're seeing things and things are happening to them that, that the parents aren't able to associate, then obviously it's, you know, it's a pretty scary place to be really.
0: So true. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about? Any interesting stories that have happened to you with clients? Or uh, clear how, let's talk about protection. I, I think that's a good one.
1: Yeah. So protection really. I mean, I, I always think now, you know, I look back at my school and I think I was never that interested in school really, because, I realize now that the subjects that were taught were uninteresting to me and my personality so you know I, you know i of played football must must about the sports and didn't do particularly well at school but you know because i wasn't really interested in the topics they're teaching but i look back now and think you know everyone should be being taught spiritual you know, protection techniques really because we're living in a, a physical world that we can see with our you know five senses But those of us that you know are spiritual realize that there's obviously this spiritual dimension that is co-locating into the same vibration and frequency as, as planet Earth. And therefore there's hundreds of entities and other other spiritual things around us all of the time. And those entities and, and other spirits can interact with us in ways that we don't understand and we're not really talked about. And you know, the spiritual protection practices are pretty easy, really. You know, when you understand it's, you know, it's everything's thought really and it's Again, it's vibration, so trying to keep the vibration high, as you talked about earlier with sort of food, the right drinks, that kind of thing, grounding yourself, and then just doing like, I, mean, I do like a daily meditation in the shower, so I'll have a shower. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's like It takes me like 10 seconds just to put myself in a protective bubble, just do a sovereignty check to make sure there's nothing attached to me, and then I know that I am sovereign, effectively just me, so there's no entities or discontent spirit or anything else attached. And then I just, you know, basically I normally connect to Chen and we have a chat whilst I'm in the shower about the day, you know, what we've got to do, things he wants me to do, which there's normally a list of things that, that i was working on or projects that we're talking about and things like that, really. So for me, like, spiritual protection is, <clears throat> is more important than, you know, than physical protection to a certain degree because, because of what I do. Obviously, I'm involved in it on a daily basis. But the key is it's not difficult and it's, you know, it doesn't take much time. But again no one's taught this stuff so you end up in these situations whereby you know people are having intrusive thoughts and feeling anxious and depressed yeah. and a lot of it's because you know there's a spiritual source to the problem as opposed to a physical one and if people were you know more adverse with more, more connected and understanding psychic and spiritual protection then you know your life changes overnight effectively so
0: True. I've had to say, okay, like I said, with that situation, uh, with feeling like I was in a bad marriage, I, now I have to really go, okay, is this my thought or is this coming from somewhere else? Cause I, I also study consciousness and Reality shifts and how people will create a reality for you, and you're just like, wait a minute, that is not my reality. And sometimes you can get kind of lost in another person's thought form or another person's reality, and just start following it unconsciously if you're not careful. Um, so, and it, it just takes really being conscious and kind of like snapping yourself out of it, you know. I'm writing a, a book about it, um, but it, it's just really, really interesting how I, I just started to see those things. You know, I was just like, this is like, like I said, my home, like this woman that lives next door to me, she controls everyone in her household um, and it, it is chaotic. And then she tries to control me. I was like, I'm not part of your household. <laughs> I'm Hardly ever there, you know? Um, and when I am, it's like I don't. I just tell people like, "Oh, you're being too loud. Can you just go away?" You know, and um, is is very very interesting. But uh, yeah. So you talked about being sovereign. So how do you ask? You ask like three times. I, I heard one of your, um, and I remember with Terry, you ask like, uh, "Am I sovereign?" like three times and you whatever you hear in your head yes or no correct yes it's just connecting
1: to your higher self i mean what you just said is exactly how i live on a daily basis now so i'm in i'm in complete control of my thought process and feelings and things because i spent a lot of time doing that effectively so as soon as a thought comes in that i know isn't mine you know some crazy thought comes in or intrusive thought or just something odd you know, immediately my kind of red flag system pops up and I think, no, that's not, I wouldn't say that, I wouldn't think that, that's not part of right. me. So immediately I go straight into, you know, quick visualisation, popping myself in a bubble, um, you know, putting grounded roots down and things, and then basically connecting to my higher self and just doing that, am I sovereign, yes or no? And when I ask that to my myself, my higher self, I get, you know, like, yes, so I said get yes, 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 immediately, well, that takes, like, about two seconds to do that. So it's, it's really quick. And, of course, the more you do it, the faster you get, and then the more you know it's right. So as soon as I get a no, I think, okay, there's something attached or connected to my energetic field that isn't mine, basically. Therefore, it's going to be negative because, obviously, it's not me. And then just give the a visualisation to kind of, like, more well, different types of ideas just on to how to detach it. So I kind of use, like, a... Well, I just do different things on a daily basis to make things interesting but oh, like i'll grab like a sword of light
0: and I run that. that the sort of light yeah archangel michael yes uh-huh yeah. like an
1: image of myself with the intent right. to cut away and detach anything negative and then re re-perform that sovereignty check and i'm I sovereign yes or no three okay. times and normally i get three yeses and you know it's like i know that there's something small that's that trying to attach and occasionally when i talk to chen you know when i hear him answer we, you know, I always ask him three times, are you from the highest light, yes or no? So that's my authenticity check with him, which he needs to pass to talk to me. So I need to get three yeses at that stage. And then when he provides me with three immediate yeses, I then ask him to show me two pictures that we've kind of set up as a password almost. So obviously he then puts those images in my mind and I know that I'm talking to him. And then, yes, not kind of happy days we carry on. But obviously, if you have some sort of imposter that's trying to, you know, change that connection or trying to connect with me that isn't Chen they'll fail on one of those tests so I know immediately that is it's not him and it's not positive and therefore you know sometimes I talk to negative stuff just because I'm bored and and I don't mind doing that but then normally just well, you, you learn,
0: know. and it could be another book, you know. It, it's like, yeah. what are these negative thought forms, or what are these? Uh, say I'm channeling for you <laughs> your next book, you know, or whatever these other realities that these people are creating that all of a sudden you think is yours. Like, the, there's a movie that just came out. I'm not sure if it came out um, in England, but it's called Don't Worry, Darling and it's about uh you should really watch it um it's olivia wilde is the director and it's about um it it took place here in palm springs california and um there's an alternate reality kind of like the matrix that is created you know and it's this perfect reality and you find out that it you know it's not what it is. I I don't want to ruin the movie for you, but it's really very very interesting, and um, I related a lot to it because like when I was married, uh, that sa- a same situation occurred. Like we were in a pre-planned community, and everybody was perfect there. Like they they had arranged like oh these are your neighbors, and these are you know, and they had all these professional people in in this it it was very profiled it was very bizarre and um, I thought that I wanted to live there but then I was like well this is it was really creepy it was a very keeping up with the Joneses type of uh, culture Uh, but it happened in that movie and I was like wow and it was very relatable to me but it's really interesting on how Uh, someone could suck you into something and you you're not aware of it, almost like a cult. And and you're just like, wait a minute, these are not my thought forms, or these are, you know, this is not what I want. Uh, which is very, very interesting. But cool. Well, this is quite often
1: actually talking of that whole cult kind of concept. You know, quite often, you know, clients will I run meditation groups and things online and and channel comes through and talk to people and that kind of thing. And I'm always surprised at how how fast people kind of give up their own autonomy, really. Yes. But they're not,
0: I don't think they're aware of it, you know, and sometimes um, I, I had this discussion with a podiatrist one day, you know, and we were talking about reality shifts in consciousness and, and how some people are just on automatic pilot. And I go, I don't understand why people just go into automatic pilot, you know? And he said, Oh, it's just because it's easier you don't have to think you're you've all of a sudden turned into a robot which i'm seeing more of people are kind of turning into zombies non-player characters or robots you know uh which is a lot of my neighbors in another my other home that i live in um are kind of like that it is really creepy i see it's almost like there's a movie playing out it's the same scenario same people doing the same thing over and over again over and over it's really creepy to me so
1: yeah, I think I mean, I'm, I'm obviously living in your reality because I have the same thing. I was talking to Chen a while back and he said, mm-hmm. you know, one, one day there will be zombies. And, I, you know, we laughed. He said, well, you know, what do you mean? You need to clarify that. He said, no, you know, people are losing touch with who they are. Sure yes. he, and he, say, he was saying that, you know, technology is moving so fast now that it won't yes. be long before. You know, you could be interacting with a hologram and you won't yes. know it's a hologram. And, and you know people will have actually detached from each other to the point that you know through AI and technology and technocratic stuff you know we actually lose humanity basically if we're not careful
0: right and I think that's what's going on is a lot of um detachment or you you just hit it you just hit it a detachment from the higher self because uh and people are just doing things that they don't want to do or they don't know how to shift and get out or to shifting, get out of what they're doing and change can be very dramatic. And sometimes we'll have to, there's a period of, of discomfort. And I don't think people like that. And that is part of the awakening process. I mean, what I get a lot, and I I don't know if it happens to you is I get a lot of people uh, speaking to me from their higher selves, uh, from the subconscious mind, (laughs) And then they forget that they've told me what they've told me, which is wild. And a lot of the times what they're telling me, it's a clue to something, you know, either something that they can't do or don't want to do or, and and so they give it to me. Like I told you, that's my whole, that's probably going to be the title of my book, the psychic secretary, you know, because then I start to research it and all of a sudden these synchronicities will start happening and i'll share this one uh story which is very fascinating if you you do you still have a little bit of time but yeah Yeah, perfect all right so Uh, my my co-producer wanted me to share this story it is pretty profound and i'd love to hear your um take on it and i did share it with paula fenn um and she was like you're definitely living on a different reality so um i uh I was on Bumble one day and Bumble is a dating app. And I connected with this one gentleman and I had connected with him years ago and I didn't go out with him because he was having, he was going through a divorce and had small children. So now we connected again. Uh, This was in June and he lives close to me. So I, I, and he's on my Facebook page. And so I went to the Facebook page and just to see what was going on in his life. And I saw that he, uh, teaches chess to his students. He, he's a teacher. And, um, and I also listened to a podcast that he was on. And so I contacted him and said, hey, why don't we just go have a cup of coffee and just meet in person? I think that would just be really nice as friends since we live so close together. So he agreed. So we were there, and again, I was getting a a book that he needed to write, and it was about chess, and it was more about empowerment, and it would be great to write for children, you know, because there's so many things about sports, not very much about how the game of chess can actually help with like spiritual growth and, and things like that. So he did enjoy, but he said he was already working on something like that, but didn't understand how to put the pieces together to make it come into a book. You know, writing a book, as you know, is, is, is very daunting if you look at the big picture of it. Uh, so, so then um, he asked me to hear, listen to this other podcast uh, where he tells more about his personal life. So I listened to that podcast and he's on that podcast. It's, it's actually a professional newscaster that is doing this podcast. And I hear um, him talk about these two children, these two teenagers that died in a car accident and they were hit by a drunk driver. And all of a sudden there's a lot of static, right. And, and I was just like, that's really bizarre. And the woman keeps going on with the podcast. Right. And I was just like, she's a professional. She could have stopped or she could have gotten that cleaned up by her editor. And, um, okay. So I contact him and I go, well, I think these children, like, it's like a poltergeist. They're trying to contact you, you know, trying to make contact, but for some reason you're, and he's like, well, I don't know. I don't know. Like he got really weirded out, but I go, well, obviously, you know, so all of a sudden a couple of weeks later, I go to a one person show At the uh, Hollywood Fringe Festival, and this man is um, talking. It's called uh, "Grief: A One-Man Shit Show," and this man is um, talking about his two children that died in a drunk driving car accident. And they were, and so I was just like floored. I was like, "Wait a minute!" So I contact the guy I went on a date with. I was like, "Is this the same, you know, uh, story?" He's like, "Yeah, that's the dad of the kids," and I was like. right and and i had gone to a bar right before the show that's next door to the theater and there was um flyers for the show and flyers for other shows that were going on and right next to the flyer of this show was another flyer that said coincidences so it was another show called coincidences right so um i'm like okay Uh, So I tried to tap into the teenage daughter that died and uh, her name is Ruby. She's, she's very funny. She (laughs) was, she, again, I told you they want, you know, they want to be known, you know, immortal in a way. So I tapped into her and I hear my dad is a a fucking asshole. That's what I hear. And I'm like, okay, it's not about them. uh, You know? So I go back, and she wants. She's trying to make. This is what I get that she was trying to make contact with her teacher. You know, she had a very close relationship with this teacher. Her and her brother did right, and they even had secret passwords. So she's, and I could feel her energy. And I contact him again. I go, listen, I need to talk to you. You know, and I had to tell her to leave me alone (laughs) because. I already contacted him and I can't, you know, now it's up to him. So then he calls me in the morning, but doesn't leave a message, you know? So I go on a walk and I'm, I can't breathe, you know? And I was like, you know, and I was just like, I, you know, and I'm talking to him and I go, I don't know why I can't breathe. I'm on a walk. I'm sorry. I go, she's trying to make contact with you. You know, she's excited that she's finally made contact with someone, which is me you know? And, and so I, you know, he tells me more of the story and his connection and I'm trying to figure out why I'm involved. Right. And I go, okay, well that, and I'm just figuring out, well, that's just the message and it's just a connection and I let it go. Right. So then I go to my Palm Springs clinic uh, and I'm talking to my nurse and I'm telling him my wacky stories. And he goes, were those kids in a silver Prius, And did it happen in 2019 in Joshua tree? And I was like, yes, well, (laughs) he pulls up the case and he goes, well, the woman that killed them who had like three prior DUIs and there was uh, a warrant out for her arrest. She um, used to bring her children to our clinic. Okay. Not only that, like her mother, uh, her mother used to do our billing and I was like, what? <laughs> I was just dying. So he pulls up the case, right? And we find out this woman had not been tried. Like they, you know, this happened in 2019. you think she'd be in prison. She's still in jail. They haven't tried her case. They keep delaying it every six months. And I, we were just floored. We're like, wow. Wow. Isn't that profound?
1: That is amazing. Actually, an amazing story, isn't it? It's right? kind of that whole like synchronicity thing, isn't it? You're kind of connecting into almost like the future and kind of bringing that yes. into fact.
0: Yes. Well, not only that, in April, I had gone camping with a guy I was dating, and we went camping in Joshua Tree. And i left early in the morning uh, to go back home to drive to Palm Springs. And I went to, so they died at a Circle K. And um, I went to the Circle K and I had seen this monument. This is before I even knew the story. The story happened in June. This was in April that I go and I see this monument. And I was just like, oh, how sad, you know? Uh, I wonder who these children were. And I asked that question. So it was almost like, did I create the story? Isn't that pretty fascinating? Did I actually put things in motion? Or, I, I mean, it, it's just to, like, w- how am I involved and why, you know? And and what, And what? I had written to Paula Fenn because I was like, I don't know what my part in it is. And she goes, well, try to ask her. And I go, well, I get this immortality. And sure, I'll put you in my stories and I'll talk about the story You know, but also this morning I was reading that in Riverside County, which I think is Joshua Tree area, that they have cleared over 200 case criminal cases because the justice system there cannot, uh, they don't have enough judges to process all these criminals. I just was floored. You know, and so I have to see now go back and do the research to see if this woman has been tried. My idea was just to write the D.A. and the judge and tell them my story. Like, come on, you know, it's just process, you know, bring justice to this case. You know, it's just pretty wild. Has anything like that ever happened to you?
1: No, (laughs) no. Not really. And that that is quite a fascinating story, isn't it? I think, you know, when you connect, when you reach out in the way that you did, obviously, you're connecting to the deceased spirit of that, you know, those children or whatever. So I guess when someone reaches out and connects to them, then they're going to follow and connect with you, aren't they?
0: Right, right. I think that's what it was. It's not the brother so much. It's the Ruby. It's the teenage girl. Yeah. Um, but she was also a writer. Um, she was also her parents are in the um movie industry and, and stuff. Um, but uh, she, you know, and, and it, it sucked that she this was her third uh death experience, so she had two prior near death experiences. So, uh, unfortunately, her teacher told me that you know she had a suicide attempt and she was finally. You know, doing much better, and this had to happen. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's almost like a
1: yeah. You know, it kind of shows you. It's probably part of her path, wasn't it? Really, in the putting you know, that she, she before she came in. So I think it's that whole energy follows thought, isn't it? When you start to think about things, when you think about people that have died or how they've died, potentially you are reaching out to the other side, and uh-huh. if they're, they're in a reciprocal kind of state, then they connect with you, and the next thing you know. You know, you've, you've, you know, you're having a conversation with them and right, own path, really. So you kind of like almost build that, manifest that story yourself. Yeah. yeah. What you've done there, really, to me.
0: Yeah. When I saw the, and that's what I was thinking when I saw the monument, and I thought, you know, um, who is it? Who are these kids? And, and it just, the story just started to unfold. Ryan right in in front of me, and then it had that personal connection where, uh, with the clinic and everything, which was pretty wild, and how my nurse knew the story already, uh, w- which was just like, okay, this is a little bit too much. So, so
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you think about all of the people in in the place that you live, of all the millions of people, the chances of that are kind of you know billion to one, aren't they? Right, thing.
0: right. You know, I mean, this it's not okay.
1: I, it's our search, so.
0: Yeah. I mean, it is, it is pretty interesting. So now I just, like I said, with the whole hero story that I told you, I just accept that this is who it is. And, uh, you know, and these are the writings that I need to be doing and, um, and I, I'm, I'm good with it and stuff. Uh, and I've known how to, like I said, like you said, am I sovereign? I've known to to control it a little bit, tell them to leave me alone. <laughs> I do need my own life and my own energy and such but yeah it's all very fascinating
1: i think that's a really good point as well that's the whole point for me about the whole spiritual protection conversation really is that when you're connecting to other deceased entities whether they be positive or negative under the discarnate spirit if you're not careful you you know your personality and life kind of blends into theirs yes. and then you can start living these like dual realities and not really connected to your own family and your own life particularly and it's
0: And that's what was happening to my secretary. She was living this life and she was fighting these urges that were not hers, you know? Mm. And and so, um, and she finally realized that she was like, whoa, that was, you know, that I go, that was your cousin's life. That was not what you want, you know? And, and I also see a lot of people that will like parents that shut down children, you know, especially in the creative. Arts, they'll be like, "Oh, you will never get a job doing that." And I go, "That is not true." Do not tell anybody that you don't know. You're shutting down their path, you know, uh, and you don't know what's going to happen with them. So, I, th- I think
1: that's what the school system, in my opinion, is designed to do. Actually, it's designed to shut down children and, and push yes. them. Into, you know, here's the information that we're going to feed you, whether it's right or wrong. And I used to sit in history lessons and laugh to myself when I was young about you know you're talking about so my history that happened thousands of years ago and i used to think but nobody in this room or on the planet today can actually back up any of this story at all because so it's, it's we're all being we all you know we're all fed it and we all regurgitate it but there's no actual living proof that any of these things actually happened in the way they're described and talked. so for me it kind of felt like the whole you know the whole history of planet earth has been kind of manipulated to suit the people yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. It, yeah, definitely to suit the system, the people, yeah. uh, and, and this is why people just believe that they've been put on this planet just to be worker bees, go to work, you know, uh, watch Netflix, go to sporting events, and and that's their whole have children, and that's it. And I was like, really, you know, <laughs> so much more, you know, to what is going on in reality, and and a lot of like. The veil is now you know we're at that part of the wizard of oz where at the end you know uh we're seeing who the wizards are i think that's the thing really you know it is that
1: you know in my opinion you know there's lots of things happening in the world that are negative and that kind of thing and i just keep myself out of all of it basically yeah. i don't watch the news yeah. i don't engage in the conversations about this stuff I'm not interested in politics whatsoever because to me, me it's just it's just a controlled theatre, really. So I just kind of sidestep all of that type of thing and just focus on where I am, you know, what I'm going to do, and the, and the change that I can affect in the people that I connect with. And me just well, if everyone does that, we all push each other, you know, sideways. And it's like the the darkness is having a light shine in the corners that they, that's never been there before. And I think it's it's an interesting time to be here. Really, Chen said it to is. me. Said so, you know you're so lucky to be on the planet in body now because this is like a monumental time in in humanity's history basically.
0: It so is. I mean, there's it, it is a very interesting time. I mean, sometimes it doesn't feel like that. But I'm you know uh, once I get grounded again, once I'm like oh yeah, this is like super cool. You know that we it, it is a very interesting time, and I believe um, a lot of people are here just like sitting in the stands watching what's gonna happen or, or participating, you know, I think more people need to participate in a positive way. And um, because once you have uh, co-creators, you, amazing things happen, you know, people on the same wavelength, uh, really cool things happen uh, and, and it's very interesting. So but thank awesome. you so much, Andrew. Yeah, it's been really great. I've really enjoyed it. Actually. So fun. Yeah. And we'll have to have you on again with your next book. <laughs> yeah. There's
1: probably a few books actually now you've mentioned it.
0: Right? Right, right. Awesome. Cool. Thank you. And until next time. Thanks for listening to our Nurses and Hypochondriacs podcast. We love your support and we love our listeners. If you have some spare change, go ahead and throw some to us on our Venmo at Nurses and HypoCon. Also, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love that. And if you'd like to be a guest, go ahead and send us an email at nursesandhypochondriacs@gmail.com. at gmail.com.